0: Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of LifeHouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Well, good morning, LifeHouse family. How's everyone doing today? It's a great day today. It's the beginning of NFL Sunday. Woo! Woo! Anybody Giants fans here? I'm a Jaguars fan, so I uh, just wanted to basically say I'm sorry right now for how bad the Jaguars are going to beat you uh, today, so I am looking forward to that. Also, too, if it is your first time here, we just want to say welcome. LifeHouse fam, can we just give it up for all of our first-time guests that are with us today, first, second, or third time? We are honored that you are with us. You are our VIP. Make sure before you walk out today, you get your free gift. We give you a free gift bag. You want what's in that bag. Uh, you get a free coffee cup. It's awesome. So that is just a small token to say thank you so much for joining us today at LifeHouse. Uh, whenever you walked in today, you probably saw a big tent. Any of you thinking, what's that tent for? Why is there a tent inside of a building? So we, so we have got small groups starting um, or life, uh, life groups is, is what we call them here at LifeHouse, and life groups are groups that you do life with. Basically, we, we've got different groups, smaller size groups that are between 8 to 12 people that gather together weekly for basically this, we, we say food, fellowship, and Jesus, Praise God! Those are three good. Those are three awesome things: food, fellowship, and Jesus. And we've got a new semester starting uh, the week of September 23rd. And look, we want you to get plugged in. We got groups, guys, guys groups, women's groups, running groups, exercise groups. We got prayer groups. We've got what else do we do we have here? I'm I'm drawing a blank. We got 14 different groups. I know that. Okay, so there is a group for you. So look, today we're giving you a little extra nudge. A little extra incentive, if you sign up today, we wanna give you a free shirt that says don't do life alone. Because really, that is the whole point of life groups is we we don't want church for you just to be something that you come to on Sundays. We want it to be a community that you are a part of where you actually know people and they know you. So we've got this simple slogan, don't do life by yourself. So if you sign up today at that tent walking out, you give them the card, Fill it out, choose one of the 14 groups here, and then you will uh, receive a shirt. But would anyone like a shirt now? Anyone wear a small? And I'm talking about this is like a small, small. So, like, you're gonna, you're gonna, make, me, you're gonna make me bust out high school baseball, John arm here. Okay, I got you. Heads up, okay, I'm throwing this. This this is this is a disclaimer. Lifehouse Church is not held responsible for anything that happens by the throwing of this shirt. Does does everyone say okay? Okay, awesome. It's it's on podcast, so we've we've got it. So no one can no one can sue us. Okay. Ah. Yo. I actually got it there. I need ice. Can someone grab some ice? I feel like I threw my arm out. Threw my arm. Okay. One more thing. One more thing. So next Sunday. Is our one-year anniversary. One year of being a church. It's our first. So we, one big Sunday is what we're, we're calling it. We got a big Sunday plan: blow-up games, bounce house games, food trucks. We're giving cupcakes to everybody. Um, we have got, uh, what have we got? Face painters out there. We're going to be partying. We're starting a brand-new sermon series called God at the Movies. We're, we're, we're going to be diving in. Jurassic World, The Greatest Showman, which is like ruling my house. Anybody else's house being ruled by the greatest showman? Like my seven, four, and 2-year-old and are going around singing, This is me. I'm like, Lord Jesus, what is going on in my household? They love that, that song. Uh, so we're going to be taking films, and we're going to be saying, Hey, what does God speak to us through these films? So we're going to be starting that next Sunday. But we're calling it One Big Sunday, but it's looking like it might also be One Big Florence. (laughs) You guys got that better than the first service. So I think you guys watch a little more news than the first service. Some people in the first service were like, there's a hurricane? I'm like, oh, God. Y'all need to get on the news quick. So we are going to make a decision by Wednesday. Okay, we are completely aware that there is something out there. Um, It's not 100% sure where it's going to go, blah, blah, blah. So um, as of right now, we're going to go full, full force towards it. But if there's something that does pop up, happen in, in that time period, we will make a decision by Wednesday. So, hey, look, we want you to be bringing everybody, neighbors, friends, coworkers, frenemies, whatever. We want you to bring them Next Sunday to one big Sunday, we are doing something online also where if you invite, share, and tag to three different people and use the hashtag iHeartLHNN, you, you, you could put your name in to win uh, 156 free movies on LifeHouse, which is a pretty cool gig. So you can go on our Facebook page and see that there and share and invite. Okay, all of the announcements are done for the love of God. Okay, hallelujah. Let's get into God's word. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Very cool. So around here at LifeHouse, we, we kind of like Jesus. Jesus is sort of important to us. Um, because really the, the whole vision of, of this church is we want to help all people, and we, we really do mean that, all people, regardless of your social status, your color, ace, race, gender, sexuality, wolf, whatever. We want to help you experience life change through Christ life changed through Jesus. We believe Jesus is the center of Christianity. Jesus is the point of Christianity. Whenever the church or people get their eyes off of the center of Christianity, things go crazy. People start fighting about stuff that doesn't, that doesn't matter. People, people start looking at the church as being crazy. It's like the, 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 the church's point is that we are called to literally be the hands and feet of Jesus. The church's mission is to be the vision of of the unseen God, that the church is called to come together, playing each person, playing its different parts. We're called to come together, and Scripture calls us this, this, that we the body of Christ. So we're, we're called to come together, and as a group, as a group of people, as the church and a church, we're called to come together, to shout to, to the whole world around us, this is who God is and what God's like as we work together to make Christ no, but let me tell you a little bit more about Jesus' purpose. Colossians 1.15 tells us this when it's talking about Jesus. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Just stop right there. So when you see Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the four Gospels, when you see Jesus talk, that's not just a good teacher talking, that's God talking. Matthew, Monty, when you see Jesus respond to different sorts of different people, that's just not a good teacher responding. That is God talking. When you see Jesus treating his people that turned their backs on him, that's how, Jesus, that's how God responds to people that turn their Like Jesus, I just want you to get this. Jesus was God. Jesus came to show and represent who God is and what God's like. Okay? John one 1.14, this is John's statement. He says the word became flesh. The, the word of God, Jesus, became flesh and blood, and I love this, moved into the neighborhood. Basically, God came down in the form of flesh and lived, and, and his purpose was to put into flesh and blood to become like us so he could show us what God, because I mean, here's the, the thing. If we just have this concept of this big guy in the sky that is just zapping powers and, and is someone that we're scared of, but what, but what God is he sent his son that fully represented him and put him on earth and said, through Jesus, I'm gonna show people, show the world who I am and what I'm like. Get this, Hebrews 1, three, it says it's the son, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of of his being. When we see Jesus, we see how God would act, what God's heart is. And if Jesus is the center of the church, what is important to Jesus is important to God. So that should be important to the church. Do you get that? That's why the gospels are so important. That's why if you're a brand new Christian here, please don't start reading the Bible in Genesis, please, because you will be confused. Why is that person sleeping with that person? And it's like the Jerry Springer show. It's like, what is going on here, right? It's, it's, this is like Maury Povich, you know? It's like, you're the father of you know, it's like, what in the world? It's like, no, start reading the Gospels. Why? Because the Gospels are all about Jesus. But know when you're reading the Gospels, you're not just reading about a good teacher. You're not just reading about some cool guy. You're literally reading about how God would act, who God is, and what God would say in different, in different situations, So Jesus shows us what God's like. Now, we're going to go to a certain passage today in Luke chapter 15 that I believe is honestly, ridiculously fascinating about showing us through Jesus' life and through Jesus' ministry what God is like. And as a result, how the church should be, because the center of the church is Jesus. So the church should follow the pathway of Jesus, not the pathway of culture. Right? Because honestly, there's a Christian culture out, out there. I don't know if you've seen this, where literally Christianity has created a subculture where it's like you have got, you know, Christian mints. They're called testaments. I'm like, someone is monetizing having good breath for the sake of Christ? You know what I'm saying? It's like you've got, I'm like, you know (laughs) what? I'm sorry, I did not say that in first service, but that's really funny. Uh, (laughs) But it's like, if we're not careful, the church will create a subculture to get away from the world. When really the whole purpose of the church was not to run from the world, was was to go to the world. Why? Because Jesus was sent from heaven to earth. Jesus sends the church to the world. And the church is supposed to be sent to the world. Doing what? Representing Jesus through the power of the Holy what? Spirit. What does the Spirit do? We talked about this a few weeks back. The whole job description of the Holy Spirit is to uplift Jesus. So the Holy Spirit infills the Christian, and the Christian through the power of the Holy Spirit then makes Jesus known. That is the whole cycle of things. But this portion in Luke chapter 15, I'm praying today, will let us in and show us who God is and what God's like, but not just show us that, it would show us the heart of the church. So today, I'll be up front with you. I'm fired up. I got four hours of sleep, This is like my blood and guts here, okay? I'll I'll just be honest with you. Like, I'm extremely passionate about what we're going to speak about today. Why? Because here's the thing, guys. The, The church is the hope of the world. And here's the thing. For too long, it's been the joke of the world. Because it's been focused on stuff that doesn't matter. It's been focused on stuff that in the light of eternity means nothing. And my prayer is that LifeHouse would not be that. You know, like 80% of churches are either plateauing or declining. It's the stats. 80, 80%. So there's only 20 churches that are growing and reaching people. And my heart is for us not to just grow for the sake of growth, y'all. I mean, here's the thing. If we're just trying to grow just to get bigger, God ain't impressed with that mess. Yeah. At the end of the day. But at the same things, healthy things grow. So Luke chapter 15, we're going to have insight here into a story. Luke records, and can you just imagine being a disciple and writing a gospel? Like your account, your eyewitness account of Jesus. And 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 this is what Luke did. Luke, at the beginning in chapter 1, it says that Luke went out and and literally interviewed firsthand accounts of Jesus. So think think of a reporter going out saying, I want to get those who are close to him. I want to talk to those that heard him speak and saw, saw him act and saw him like do like. So Luke went out and, and got all of these different accounts from people and put together an orderly account of Jesus' life. And we get to, to peek in here at Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. It says this here. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, notice it doesn't say church people. Notice it doesn't say religious people. Notice it doesn't say those who want to learn more about the Bible. It says, Tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I just find it so intriguing that sinners were attracted to Jesus. My question is, Why aren't sinners attracted to the church? If Jesus is the man- should be the manifestation and center of the church, there should be a curiosity among people that don't follow Jesus, about this God we follow. Why are you so different? Why do you have joy in the midst of suffering? Why are you so generous with your money? Why do you live on less so you can give more? Why in the world do you dedicate your time to those that don't have it? Why in the world, what makes you so different? And that's what I think attracted people to Jesus. There was truly a difference in his life. And I don't think they were attracted to him because he told them, hey, you suck. You're terrible. You're horrible. Do you like hot things? Good, you'll like hell. I doubt that is what Jesus did to attract people. There was a curiosity and a love that people that did not even follow him, people that didn't probably even agree with what he said, people that didn't even, but there was this factor that, Sinners loved to hang with Jesus. Do Christians love, do, do sinners love to hang with the church? Do sinners love to hang with you? Because I think in church, so many times we're taught, up, oh, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That's a great statement, but it's not Jesus. Now, here's the thing you need wisdom. If you're a recovering alcoholic and you are, by God's grace, recovering, You don't need to be hanging with your boys that you went and lived it up with, that you went and did things you regret. You need to have a season of being influenced so you can then be the influencer. See, Jesus had been through stuff. Scripture says this, that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested. And Jesus had a period of being, of being trained up and influenced to then now he was at a point in his life he could hang with people that did things he would not do and believe things he didn't believe in, but he could still be with them and be friends with them, and they were actually attracted to him. That's my prayer for you, church. My prayer is that you'd be so influenced, you'd be so overtaken by who God is and what God's like. You can sit with someone that doesn't believe what, what you believe or live a lifestyle that you believe in, but you can still be friends with them. You can still eat with them. You can still have them. And I pray that you would even do it intentionally. My prayer is that you would target families in your neighborhood that you know don't know Jesus and you would strike up a friendship with them. Why? Because here's the Thing. Probably It's not going to be a cool church marketing system that's going to get them to know Christ. It's not going to be great worship music. It's not going to be incredible preaching like me, okay? I'm just, I'm just kidding. You know what? It's going to be flesh and blood representation of who Jesus is and what Jesus is like to that family. And that's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to do as the church. We're not called to come and be a social gathering on Sundays. We're called to be the literal hands and feet of Jesus to a lost and dying World. So Jesus comes, and he's eating, and he's eating with them. Like, in that culture, eating with somebody meant that you accept them. Not that you accept what they do, but you accept the beauty of the image of God in that person. And that's what Christians, we have to make sure we focus on and that we identify with. There are people that I will eat with, that you should eat with, that, li- that live and, and believe things contrary to what you believe, but that should not keep you from becoming friends with them. Why? Because... We honor the image of God in everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter you are made in the image of God. And when he says that he ate with them, what he was saying was, is that I accept the image of God in everybody. And you know what? I'm not going to run from the people that I have been called to reach. And that's one thing. You know Jesus was called a glutton and drunkard? The religious leaders called Jesus a glutton and drunkard. Not because of what he did, but because of who he hung with. Yeah. But Jesus did not let criticism keep him from his calling. And when you're called, you will receive criticism. When you're doing what God has called you to do, there will be a list of critics waiting and lining up that think you should, that, that they are God's will and voice in your life. And they think that you should be doing, that, that they think they are prophetic And they think that that you should be living your life according to their voice instead of God's voice. But Jesus was clear on why he came. He said, I did not come to save the righteous. I came to save the sinner. I did not come for the sick. I came for the what? No, I did that totally wrong. I got four hours of sleep. Let me get some water here. Jesus, help me. Okay. (laughs) Ah, take that off the podcast. He said, "I, I came... Oh, man, what? I did not come for the, for the well. There you go. Did not come for the well. I came for the sick. Jesus did not let critics determine his calling. And you need to be content knowing that if when you're called to something, you're going to have critics. But just like Jesus, don't let your critics determine your calling. Let what God's called you to do determine your calling. We're going to dive in now. into. So this here, Jesus dives in as a result of what these Pharisees did. As a result of how these Pharisees acted, this guy eats with sinners and, and, and eats with them. And I mean, that was different for a religious leader, a religious teacher, someone in that realm. Because it was always, you eat with people that are level to who you are. You eat with people on this certain, certain level. But Jesus knew, I didn't come for those people that think they got it all together. I came for these people that know they're jacked up, know they're broken, know that they need something. So he dives into three different stories here that we're going to walk through and we're going to dive through. Uh, It says this, this is the parable of the lost sheep. He says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave? Everyone say leave. Leave Leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. Everyone say, "Rejoice." rejoice. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Do you, do you, do you see here the, the word that was actually used is, is leave? Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. Do you know why I, thought, why I think there's so much church drama? Is because the church doesn't leave the 99. Churches, as a byproduct or just as, as human nature turn inward. And they become inward-focused, and that's why you see churches fighting over carpet color. That's why you see churches fighting over, well, I think the money should be spent this way. Do you know who I am? I've been here for 30 years. My will be done! (laughs) Maybe you've been a part of churches like that, where churches have split. And really, the big issue is Jesus isn't with the ninety-nine. Come on. Like people are trying to find Jesus in in the midst of a big group of Christians, but Scripture says Jesus is out. He's left. Yeah. Why? He he he's out seeking. He's out looking. He's not that. That better be Jesus. Right. It better be Jesus Christ calling you right there. Right. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I always do that every every single service. If a cell phone goes off, it better be right. Jesus Christ. Jesus still loves you, and we love you. <laughs> he leaves the 99 to go after the one. we got to be careful, church, that we don't be a church that turns inward, and we say, okay, okay well, do you know what? I want status. I want popularity. And, and we just start to bicker and fight about stuff that does not even matter why Jesus is not there. Jesus is out seeking for the one, seeking for the one. Secondly, it goes into this second pair. Par- parable. Luke chapter 15, 8 through 10 it says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you see this continual theme, theme here? Seeking, going after. I have lost something. I need to go after it. What we see here ultimately is the heart of who God is and what God's like saying, I have lost something and I need to find it. Uh, so we're, we're going to go now in, into a, uh, a longer portion of scripture, the parable of the prodigal son. And I always get scared about diving into bigger picture or bigger portions of Scripture because I think you're gonna fall asleep, okay? But I, but then I'm like, y'all binge watch Netflix for like four hours, <laughs> and y'all don't fall asleep there, so I'm like, okay, well how about y'all just stay with me here as we dive through this portion of Scripture here, and uh, you can stick with me, all right? Give me give me 15, 20, 20 mo minutes, okay? And I'll make sure we're all good. But hey, I believe there's something here that God wants to speak to you, okay? So we're going to go into this parable of the prodigal son. So this is the third parable. He says, Jesus can, can continued, there was a man who had two sons. So the parable of the prodigal son is, is typically broken down as just that, the parable of the prodigal son. We've even coined that, that particular term. We've even called kids that have gone out and just lived wildly, we've called them, oh, they're, they're, they're just being the, the prodigal. The thing is, though, this is a story about two sons. It's saying a story about one son. This is a story about two sons. So Jesus is trying to say here, um, I want to say about two sons, not just one son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Have you ever had a period in your life where you told God uh, that I'm going to do me? Where you've told God, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to have a portion and a period, and that's what this son is basically saying. Give me my share. I'm leaving, Dad. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm out. I'm leaving. I want to do things on my own. He's basically saying, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do my thing. Then it goes into, it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and he squandered his wealth in wild living. Have you ever had a period of wild living? where you uh, wonder how you made it home. Somebody in first service was like, that was many nights. (laughs) Or possibly you've had times where you've woken up next to somebody, and you ain't know them, but y'all both didn't have clothes on. And you're like, what? Do with that person. He had a period of wild living. Yes, yo, some of y'all are getting uncomfortable up in here. Some of y'all, <laughs> some of y'all like, oh Lord. <laughs> well, no, I mean, he had a period of wild living. I mean, imagine wild living. It says he had a period where he went out and lived it up. And lived it up, and whatever passion came to him, he fulfilled it. Whatever desire was there, he did it. No inhibitors, nothing inhibiting you from anything you felt you did. And it was awesome, it was great, but this is after he had spent everything. You ever gotten to that point where you felt like you spent everything? Where you've gotten to that point where you thought that way, that wild living way was so great. But then it says he spent everything and there was a severe famine in that whole country. I don't think it was just a famine of stuff, I think it was a famine of soul where he realized, I've not inhibited myself at all, and I'm still empty. Mm -hmm. Everything that I thought would fill has only made those those desires worse, and they've turned into life addictions. And that's what happens. Satan will bait your hook with whatever he can, because he's in this business to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. So he will bait the hook in your life with anything he can do to get you hooked on any sort of thing other than God. He will do it. You're just having fun. I just want to go out and have a little fun. You're 21 now. Let's go, let's go and have a little fun. Let's just go ahead and get drunk once. It's all right. You're just having fun. You're just celebrating. I'm, I'm just exploring my sexuality. I'm just, you know, figuring stuff out. And you think it's all cute and nice and, 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 and fun, but the enemy has a plan. You see fun, he sees, I've got him. He sees, addiction. And many of us have formed life-forming patterns, habits that we think are going to leave us after taking 21 days. And you keep trying, and you keep trying, and you keep trying, and you realize, I can't stop this. I can't get, I can't get over this. Next week, if, if we actually get to one big Sunday instead of one big Florence, I'm going to be speaking about the power of patterns I would love to have you there. But he goes on, to, after he had spent everything, he hit a famine, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, ever had that moment? Where you came to your senses where you realized, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. Like, I'm killing myself. Yeah. Like, I am an addict. Like, I am literally living so under what I should be living right. He came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? Well, I said, Well, set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. He had a contrite heart. He came to his senses and realized, I need help. He came and he said, Mom, I'm gonna lay my pride down. You know, the biggest thing that keeps us from God is our pride. Every sin is a root of pride of thinking my way's better. There's fulfillment in God sexually. I'm gonna do things sexually my way. If you're anxious, you think the thing is just to numb it, get some alcohol, get, get some drugs, get some sex, get some TV, get some food, I'm gonna numb the pain that I feel when God's presence is readily available for you to come into the throne of grace and receive grace for what you need. He ran. He came to this place of, of realizing I can't do it on my own. So he says this. He got up and went to his father. But I love this part here. He says, but while he was still a long way off, and you were a long way off. Some of y'all, you weren't even looking for God at all. But let me tell you this. God's been looking for you. Amen. You know, in Christian culture, you know I talked about Christian culture earlier? It, it, there's this whole debate about this song, Reckless Love. I don't know if you've seen this, this, this whole debate going on. If, if you haven't, good, stay away from it. Just, just mind your business, don't worry about it. But there's this whole thing going on about the song, Reckless Love, and you've got people saying, that's the most horrific song ever. Why? Because God's not reckless. God is not reckless. God is God, and he is not reckless. My God is not reckless, okay? I mean, I'm honestly there's blogs posts out there, like calling people that sing this song heret- heretics. Um, and I've I had somebody talk to me about that, and I I just said, hey, um, have you ever lost your kid at Busch Gardens? Because <laughs> I have. Remember, Kristen and, and I, we, uh, we only had one kid at this point, Jackson. He was probably about three or something like that. And we, um, he was playing at good old Elmo's World. Great hell that that Elmo's. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all, y'all, all, all y'all parents know when it's summertime, you go to Elmo's World so you can have a break. All right, so you get him in the, the water section. You know, it's all good. Da-da-da. So me and Kristen did that, and we were sitting down, you know, wanting a break on our cell phone, second Facebook or something. You know, I thought she was watching. She thought I was watching. And you know, I things, kind of look up. Hey, babe, have you seen Jackson? She's like, I thought you were watching him. So then you get, a, then you get that feeling. Ever had that feeling, parents? Oh, Wrap. So that, that that's when you kind of start getting 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 up and kind of doing the concerned parent look. Sorry, sorry. And then you hit that next phase of panic mode, where um. All right, this just went from concerned to panic. So then, have you seen my son? And then, you know what the awesome thing is? Other parents join in. Because they know that feeling. They know that concerned look. They know that concerned feeling of, there's something not right here. Um, I, I know what it's like. So then you got a bunch of people going around looking. And, and I said, you want to talk about the reckless love of God? Do you know what the reckless love of God, God is not reckless, right? But his love is reckless. Why? Because it pursues, it goes to any depths, any place to where you are. Why? Because he was desperate for you. He loves you. He created you. And he will throw over. That's why it says there's no wall you won't climb up. What's it say? What does it say? Uh, there's no wall you won't kick down. No lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. There's no, I'm, I mean, what that is, is basically saying that is the, God's reckless love tearing anything down that separates you from him. That's what that is. And that is what God's love is like. But that's just not Jesus' love. That, that love should then should through. Jesus, come into the church and be the church's heart for the world. So Jackson, we are looking for him, looking for him. A homeboy was playing with ducks. (laughs) This little duck stand. So I'm ready to go over there and throw the duck stand and tell the 14-year-old kid that's getting paid two bucks an hour, yo, bro, three-year-old by himself, unnormal, maybe let someone know, but when we found him, like, Jackson, you're in so much trouble. (laughs) No, but just the feeling of being found, being found, being found. What if the church had that heart? That we, we ain't gonna let nothing stop us, y'all. We're gonna seek. We're gonna sweep. We're gonna do what we gotta do. But I, I love this part. If, if we could actually put that, that part back up where it it, it talks about scripture. Uh, that thing's gone, so I might have to start using this. But it, it says, he ran after him. Now can you, can you put the part back? Can you can you go back? It Says that. Where I'm so lost. I'm sorry. Something with the food. When he came to his senses, go forward. I'm sorry, Church. I need help. I'm running on four hours sleep. When he says, "I am no longer the son." But while he was still a far way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Y'all, let me let me tell you the correlation between seeing and compassion. Some of y'all have no compassion because you don't see with God's eyes. Seeing is so key in, in breeding compassion. And what Christians can do and Christians have done is they've put their, uh, their arm over their face and said, that's too difficult, that's too hard, we don't like this certain people group, they're a little weird, they don't jive with us, so we're just going to close our eyes. And when you close your eyes, compassion is dead, and you end up running from instead of running to. And my prayer that with our church, we would not run from people. I don't care who they are. But we'd run to them, and that's going to come only when our eyes get open. One thing that I pray over over Jackson that I just kind of pray over him. That I just pray over him every single night, uh, unless he falls asleep. I just kind of start right at the head, and I kind of and I and I kind of just work, and I and I kind of just like go down and say, "God, okay, so I, I just pray, God, give him your thoughts. God, let him have your thoughts. God, let him hear what you hear. God, give him a." Let him be sensitive to the voice of God. And this is stuff you can pray, and you should be praying over your kids. There's parents, there's nothing more powerful than you grabbing your kids and praying over them. I want to encourage every parent here, if you have kids, I know it's awkward, I know it's weird, but I don't care. Because there's power in prayer. And you're, you're, you're praying prayers over, over your kids that are, that are prayers that are going to cover them for years. Why? Because every prayer spoken, I believe this is prophetic, meaning it carries weight, it, car- it carries meaning, and you don't know when that prayer is going to be answered. I pray, God, let them he- hear what you hear. Then I pray, God, let him see what you see. Let him see people the way you see people. Let him see people's potential instead of people's past. Let him see through eyes of faith instead through eyes of doubt. That's a prayer that I just want us just to stop real quick and just pray together, can we? Everybody pray this after me. God, help me to see what you see, to see people's potential, not their past. Help me to see through eyes of faith and not eyes of doubt. Give me the grace. To see this world, to see myself, to see this world through your eyes. Amen. When you see with his eyes, you'll be filled with compassion too. But but you know what? You, but you know what the compassion will do? It'll lead you towards the lost instead of away from him. It says he ran towards his son. And back in this culture, this was crazy, because you disrespect your father, you're dead. You're dead to the family. It was a very hierarchical culture. And so it was like this, he was breaking cultural norms and running after him. But he run, and then it says, he saw him as filled with compassion threw his arms around him. Then he said to him, Father, I've sinned against you. Heaven, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son.' There you go, contrite and repentant heart. Next, he says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best. Everyone say the best the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on that finger. And sandals on him, nasty, stinky, jacked up feet. Bring that fattened calf and make some steak and some filet mignon. And let's, let's get some, uh, uh, what comes from cows? Help me, people. Uh, brisket. Let's do some brisket, man. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this lost son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to say, you know what this is? This is the gospel. The gospel is we give God our worst, and he gives us his best. We give him our junk, and he gives us his goodness. This right here is just a simple picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We give him our junk, our sin, our wild, our wild living nights, and he gives us the best robe. He slaughters a calf for us and has a feast for us. This is simply the gospel. Put it on him. Well, but then, going to this next part. But he, was, but he answered his father, Look, all these years, I've been slaving for you. And, you never diso- and ne- I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your, pro- your property with prostitutes, and this is what older brothers do. And, 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 and here's the thing. For so long, the church has been good at calling out those that go and live wildly. But they've never done a good job of calling out those like the older brother. The church tends to focus on those, oh yeah, they're living crazy, drinking alcohol, smoking weed and drinking. One day they'll come around and come back to church. Maybe they'll get their life right. But you've got people that have been in the church for 20, 30 years, longer than that, that are in the Father's house but don't have the Father's heart. In the Father's house but don't have the Father's heart. That aren't celebrating what needs to be celebrated. Aren't celebrating the fact that people are getting saved. They get mad that people are infringing upon their their seats or their church or their this and that and the other thing. And what the older brother spirit does is it doesn't celebrate what should, what should be celebrated. It is critical of what should be celebrated. And it starts to say things like, well, you know, this church is getting a little too big. Yeah, this church is getting a little too big. I don't know everybody now. Like, are you serious? Like, are we the judge of how big a church should get? Because what, what I see here is the Father celebrates everyone that comes into the house. The Father celebrates, he said, you know what, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous people. Celebrating shows what's, what is important. And that's what I think we, we see here. When lost people come home, when people come into the house, there should be celebrating instead of a critical spirit. And do you see what he does here? He says, yeah, he was the guy living with prostitutes. Critical, critical spirits do that. They, they call out other people's sins instead of seeing their own sins. And what I just wanna challenge us with is I want us to be very, very careful that as a church, we fight against the older brother mentality and spirit, where we become critics instead of celebrators where we don't miss the heart of God. We don't get, say, well, I've been slaving for this church for so many years and no one's recognized me and and, and no one sees in the Father. Dude, everything I have is yours. But what that did is it showed his heart. He was doing the right things for the wrong reasons. People can be in the church and do the right things for the purpose of being seen. That their pride is pushing them to be seen so they'll do good things my prayer is that we'd have a church that does the right things for the right reasons. And do you know what the right reason is? It's to help all people experience life change through Christ. It's to get people home. It's to get people in daddy's arms. It's to go out and, you know what, leave the 99. Seek the, the coin. Run after the son. Why? So people can experience life change through Christ. Are you getting this, church? Are you seeing my heart? Are you seeing what I pray is a supernatural impartation on you today, on your spirit, and on your heart that we would... Fight against the spirit of the older brother and we would become the we'd have the heart of the father that we'd that we'd have the father's heart in the father's house so we can be about the father's business which is following in the ways of jesus so we can be the literal representation the physical representation of an unseen god so we can be the hands and feet of jesus to this lost and dying world The three things here, leave, search, and run after. Those are the verbs that were used in each of those parables. Leave, search, and run after. I would pray literally, Sundays are awesome, Sundays are great, but Sundays are times for you to be filled up so you can leave and go out to your context, to your job, to your family, to your community, to your sports teams, to your workplaces, and to your areas of particular interest. So you can literally be the hands and feet of Jesus in there. So then you would seek and you would run after those who are not following Christ. When the church misses the purpose of leaving, searching, running after, that's when you see stuff happen. That's when you see church splits, people fighting over stuff that doesn't matter. My prayer today is that you'd have a supernatural impartation for the lost. And it'll only come when you have a deep, sense of being found. Why? Found people find people. I think one of the greatest indicators that you've been found that you have a deep sense and recollection of the gospel of Jesus Christ, You're like, you know the depths of what you've been saved from, like you understand I have been, I wasn't just a bad person and I became good, I was a dead person that became alive. And when you realize that and you get that, that reckless love that saved you becomes the reckless love that you use to go and want to save others. But it's going to take you being like Jesus, hanging out with some sinners, hanging out with some people that don't believe the way that you do, hanging out with some people that live a lifestyle that's contrary to what you think is particularly right. But when you see them and you see with God's eyes, you're moved with compassion and you go, you seek, you run after. So who are you in, in this story? Are you the older son? The one that wants to be critical of everything? You're, you're like the church guy that just points your finger at everything that does wrong? Y'all, if you're looking for a perfect church, you are so doomed. You might as well just go ahead and stay home. Because if you're looking for a perfect church and you're gonna switch churches you know, every two years or something like that, Y'all, I'm, I'm t- you're going to miss it. Churches are not perfect. I get it. But are you the older brother that's just critical? Are you the younger brother right now that you're living a wild life? And you know you are. You're far from God. You're spending your in, you're, you're you're going out and spending it in wild, and wild living in today, you need to come to senses moment. Because the father's arms are right there waiting or wide open for you. He's been chasing you. He's been running after you. He's even been giving you signs. And, and today is the fulfillment of your signs. It is, it is the time that you need to stop this wild, this wild living stuff and come home to dad's house. Come home to your purpose. Come home to your hope. Come home to your joy. Come home and get rid of that soul famine that you feel. And my prayer is that we'd have the father's heart, the reckless love of the father's heart. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for it today. Thank you for your word. God, as we go back into singing this song about the reckless love of God, I pray that people would do some business with you. And if they've lost sight of the power of the gospel, if they've lost sight of the goodness of God, if, if they've lost sight of the fact that they have been found, and I pray that they would have a renewed encounter with you. A renewed encounter with you. God, that they would have a renewed encounter of your reckless love that found them. And it would empower them every day to use that reckless love to find others. Really, really quick with every head bowed before we sing this song. If we could, sing. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m., at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchinn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.